Well, good afternoon, and thank you once again for joining me today for Business, the Law, and You. You, Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, as usual, we'll have one of our Harvard Business View tips. This particular one, Improve Your Team's Productivity. We're also having our chat with Christina. We're going to look at the 70-20-10 rule rather than the 80-20 rule and see how that might apply to your business. But right now we're going to have our monthly chat with uh, Chartered Accountant Tony Vidray and we're going to have a look at single-touch payroll. Good afternoon, Tony. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I wrote down single tough payroll. I think that was tough. Yeah, I know that was a mistake, spelling mistake. But, <laughs> but a, uh, that's a terrific Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that. I nearly said tough too. But uh, we're going to look at a low cost solution for small employers for this yeah, single you know touch payroll. I'm going to start calling it tough now as well from now on. <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, single touch payroll. So um, yeah, the, the um, since we spoke last, um, the tax office came up with an announcement about a um, that they're looking into a low-cost option now. Of course, as, as we've spoken on your program uh, before, uh, the the need to report payroll in a in a live environment is is going to you know it's going to be on us from the first of July next year. So, so is that definite? That's definite. It, it has been passed now. Yeah, yep. yeah, it has been passed. So finally, all of those the the it came it was bundled up with all of the the uh, tax cuts. So that's all now. Uh, the twenty thousand dollar write-offs. It, it's all finally got through uh, through the backlog of um, Parliament once they once the politicians decided who was going to be their captain for the week. So, so they got on with the business of running the country. And yes, yes, all those things were uh, were finally uh, finally passed. So, okay. so for employers that have twenty or more employees, they've been reporting in uh, live every time they do a payroll from the first of July, twenty eighteen. In uh, 1st of July 2019, everyone else has to jump on board. And there's been some concern for those, what they call micro-businesses, those mm. who have um, one to four employees. And I actually was really stunned at the statistics. It's, it's an enormous number. Something like about 120,000 um, employers out there that have one to four employees. And a mm. lot of them have complained through their various business groups and you know, online lobbying and, and whatnot through their politicians as well to say, well, look, you know, we don't have online software. We, you know, we're just a very, very small micro-business. We can't afford it. And so the tax office have announced they're looking at some low-cost measures, but a couple of them actually caught my eye. They're thinking about um, possibly an app, which will be interesting because at the end of the day, they still have to, the Apple still have to capture all of the data that the, mm. the tax office want for the payroll. Um, but the one that caught me was um, they might actually be talking to some of the banks about a low-cost option. And what that would in, um, entail would be when, um, because we've spoken about, they're also the tax office and, and the government are now trying to push everyone to pay all employees electronically. So they're actually going to get to a point from the 1st of July next year as well where if you start paying people in cash, they're going to deny the, the tax deduction. So mm-hmm. they're rounding us all up like sheep and getting us all into the online banking software. And they're saying, well, if you're going to pay everyone electronically, one of the things you have to do as part of that process is upload a .aba file with your with your bank and your financial institution. And they're, they're now starting to think, well, if we expand the details that are included in that .aba file, then you can send it to the bank and also send it to the tax office at the same time or send it to the bank and then the bank will send it on um, to the tax office. I've got some reservations about that because um, in the light of the recent banking royal commission yeah. the last thing you want to do is give your bank and financial institution more information than they need and 
you know, at the moment, the only information in that .aba file essentially is the employees. Um, you know, I think their name is in there. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I've never ever, ever tried to de-encrypt one of those files, but mm. it'd have the BSB number of the employee and their net pay. I'm not sure telling them their gross and their super and all that sort of stuff um, is the sort of information that a bank really needs to know. So there, there's some privacy issues around it. They've acknowledged that. So they're, they're, I think they're just sort of, what's the American term, spitballing at the moment. They're just mm. talking about it. Mm. Um, so, But anyway, they're, they're committed to coming up with a, uh, a low-cost way of uh, paying. A low-cost low way of doing well, it, yeah. Does that mean that we'll be paying our uh, employees tax weekly rather than quarterly then? Well, interesting question. When I'm, I'm not sure whether we've discussed this, but when single-touch payroll was first announced by Kelly O'Dwyer, the Minister Kelly O'Dwyer, the initial um, incarnation of this whole idea was that you would pay your employees the net pay, you would report that pay to the tax office, and you would pay the PAYG at the same time, mm. and you would pay the super at the same time. Okay, mm. That was the very first... Um, proposal. And the Business Council of Australia and, and a lot of lobby groups got together and said to the government, look, you, you're crazy. You're going to bankrupt Australia overnight. So, you know, I can read between the lines of that and, and think, well, there is going to be a budget in about five years' time where they'll start at the big end of town and then drop it down at the small end of town where we will eventually get to a point where when you pay your employees their net pay, you will pay the, the PAYG at the same time mm. and you will pay the super at the same time because mm. the two big things that the tax office um, are saying that are unpaid every single year, there's billions of dollars, I think it was $5.2 billion, um, is unpaid PAYG withholding mm. and, and unpaid super. They mm. are the, the two biggest bugbears of the government and also employees. Um, that, that, that don't get paid and then the tax office then have to go and chase you know, directors personally and sometimes they don't have assets, all that sort of stuff. So, mm, mm. so we will eventually get to a point where, yeah, when, when you pay the employees pay, whether it's weekly or whether it's fortnightly or monthly or whenever you're paying them, you, the employers will eventually end up paying that um, PAYG that's been withheld at the same time. So it's so going to be a massive, massive cash flow adjustment for pretty much yeah, every business in Australia. So does this single touch uh, payroll apply to sole traders as well or is it we only looking at proprietary limited companies? It, it, no, it applies to no, it applies to all employers. Okay. okay. So okay. you could have you could have a sole trader, say if you're if you decide to have an ABN personally but then you decide to employ someone mm, uh, mm. as as an employee, it applies to you because mm, you're okay. you're now all of a sudden an employer. So it doesn't matter what tax structure you whether it's a company or a trust or a partnership or an individual, if you have employees. Yeah. Um, as a sole trader you can't be an employee of yourself. No. Um, but it, if you have an arm's length employee, yeah, it applies it applies to you. So yep, yeah. so they're, they're trying to look after the micro businesses. And it applies to me, and I'm a I'm a company, but I'm a, I'm the only one working in it. So correct, yeah. I've, I've now got to get get uh, into that system. That's it. That's it. Well, your your company, as you know, is a separate legal entity yeah. from you. It's got its own identity. So yeah, it is. It, it's the employer, so it has to report. Yeah. What about mm. this uh, misuse of auditor numbers for self managed super? Funds? Yeah, this is a really interesting one. This came up on the radar probably about six months ago, and I I must admit when I read it, I almost Sprayed my tea across the uh, across the screen. Um, there, there's a crackdown on um, um, uh, accountant, and this is. I'll, I'll preface this by saying, if you're an accountant and you're doing this, 
um, you need to have your certificates um, taken down from off the wall and shredded. <laughs> um, so, so what's been happening is that, let's say that, give you an example, I'm an accountant, you've got your own self-managed super fund, um, and as you may know, you know, the accountant prepares the financials and the tax mm-hmm. return for a self-managed fund. We then have to send it off to an auditor to get it audited. Once it's audited, then it can be lodged with the tax office. So... What some accountants have been doing is they've been using a low-cost audit um, you know, uh, uh, offering and saying, okay, let's get this thing audited. When the auditor comes back and gives all the paperwork, let's say, and we're, you know, June 17 financial statements were done, the auditor signs the audit report but also gives his auditor number. That detail, all those details go in the tax return for June 17, right? So let's say we go again, and and here we are now preparing June 18. What some accountants have been doing is not sending the information to the auditor for the June 18 year, but fraudulently fraudulently putting their signature on an audit report, and also they've already got the auditor number. That doesn't change. It's like a license number. Mm. Putting all that information, lodging it with the tax office, and fraudulently saying to the tax office and the client, these financial statements have been audited, when they haven't. Yeah, okay. Now, the tax office picked up on it because a couple of times there were a few anomalies. Um, and so what they did, they actually went to... Um, I actually had an interesting one myself um, in, this, in this scenario. And I actually went to the auditor and, and said, look, you know, you've signed off on this audit report. And the auditor came back to me and said, that's not my signature. No. So the tax office... Have, and that happened to me. So it must have happened um, to a few accountants where the tax office are now going, well, hang on, what's going on here? So they, they've done... They did through, you know, like a, a, a sweep of their data and they did it by auditor numbers and they went to the auditor and said, look, here's a list of all the, all the super funds that have been lodged under your auditor number that, that supposedly you you've have seen. audited. Can you please come back to us and tell us how many of these you've actually audited? And so they, they've picked up on a, um, on a pattern of behaviour of some accountants and hot off the press this morning... Um, from a, an email that I received, ASIC have removed 155 SMSF auditors from the register oh. in the FY17-18 year. The mm. number of SMSF auditors have dropped from 7,000, just a shade over 7,000, to just a shade over 6,000. There's been a 14% drop, so, and there's various reasons for that, right? They're not all. Yeah. It's not all fraud, but um, yeah. they're certainly tightening up on that. So I guess the message out of this is if you're an accountant and you're doing it, you need to have your certificate taken off the wall and shredded because it is just, it's fraud. It's unethical. It's just pure fraud. Mm. If you're you're a client, if you're listening to this and you have your self-managed super fund, make sure that it is actually audited, right? Because at the end of the day, you as the trustee of the fund, the onus is on you, right? Now, Mm. again, everyone's going to say the mum and dad super funds are going to say, well, we put all our trust in our accountant. We put all our trust in... In our financial planners, we put all our trust in the auditors. At the end of the day, you've got to take some personal responsibility Yourself. and make sure that that process um, is actually happening and you're not just being billed for it and it's, uh, and it's not happening. Right. Well, thanks for your time again, Tony. Shows that there's good, bad and the ugly in all professions, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. We'll have a chat with you again next month. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks, thanks. Julian. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there with uh, yeah, that low-cost solution for single-touch payroll. Just be aware it's coming in on the uh, 1st of July 2019 for uh, all businesses, so uh, we'll keep you informed with that. 
time to pop over for our chat with Christina. Hi, Christina. Hello, Julian. How are you? Good, thank you. We're going to talk about the 70-20-10 rule as it applies to our business. Yes, that's right. And most people are familiar with the 80-20 rule, or we would hope that they're familiar with the 80-20 rule, which is you need to spend 80% of your time on business as usual and 20% of your time traditionally on business development. And we all know what it's like when you're working in a small business and you get caught up in the jobs that need to be done and you don't chase new work because you're on deadline. Um, And then when the current projects or the current um, contracts run out, there's a there's a big decline hole. in income. Yeah, there's a big hole because nobody's done anything about developing new business. Mm. So the very first lesson is at least live by the 80-20 rule. But the second thing that we've been, or the, the, the way that we've been actually speaking with clients and everything lately is really that needs to look like a 70-20-10 rule. So 70% of your time is spent on business as usual Make sure your current client's needs are met, you know, um, operations are running smoothly within the organisation, you've got the right people on board. 20% of the time is that, is that business development that, you know, still, still needing to do 20% business development. But mm. we are really encouraging people in, the, in this age of disruption, new ideas, exponential technologies, new things coming out, we can't keep up, to have a 10% moonshot time so a moonshot is anything that you know is possible but you're not quite sure how you're going to get there yet you know so at one point in time going to the moon was possible because we knew that we had you know spaceships and things like that that could that could go fast and break gravity barriers and Mm. all that kind of thing but we weren't quite sure how we were going to put a man on the moon you know but we knew we could work it out so what we say to people now is 10 percent of your time should be spent on what is the next possible development in your industry or what is going to disrupt your industry enough to make your industry insignificant and therefore what is it that you need to be developing that's going to fulfil a need of people in the future? So that's what we're talking about when we talk 70, 20, 10. So this is like a, being a visionary of you know, 10 years from now. Yeah, and, you know, it's that big, hairy, audacious goal that's spoken about. It's that, Mm. you know, pie-in-the-sky mentality. We've been talking about it for a long time, Mm. but there's never been a more crucial time than now to actually work it into your business strategy. Uh, And and when you are strategizing on on the new developments in your industry, and you should always be researching what's coming out, you know, what are the new technologies that are available? Are they of benefit to us? Are they long-term or are they just short-term fads? You know, because there's a lot of... um, Things have come out, new apps and everything, and they become short-term fads. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, there's you know, with, there's talk about two or three new versions of the internet. We don't even really know what um, what you know the next stage of mobile mobile phone development really is. Okay. You know, four G. What does five G really look like? What is going to be the capability of a quantum bit computer? You know, how much how much there's a device now that you can put in your ear that will give you instant translation. Um, when you're talking Someone's to talking someone to. in a foreign country. Yeah, very so, stark tricky. You know, yeah, well, it is very yeah. stark tricky, but you kind of go, well, should I invest time in, in learning a new language or do I just rely on a device? You know, yeah. what are the benefits of actually learning the new language as opposed to just u- utilising a new device? Yeah, and yeah. is that device just going to be a fad or is it going to be something that's really going to progress businesses? Great. Well, uh, we've run out of time now. Well, thank, oh. thank you for your time. Yeah. Okay, no problem. We'll have another chat next week, though. We will. I look forward to it, Julian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with the 7020.
10 rule. So we need to start looking at ten, our, our future visions, 10% on that. Just got time for a quick uh, Harvard Business Review tip. This one, improve your team's productivity. As a manager, you may already have learned how to plan, prioritise and streamline your work. But how can you help your team members do the same? Start by setting a good example. Be smart about how you allocate the hours of your own workday, the meetings you attend, the emails you respond to and the projects you sign on for so your team can follow your lead. Help set boundaries for your team by outlining key goals and analysing people's capacity to execute on them. Then meet with your team members one-on-one to communicate your top priorities and expectations. Tell each person the top two or three areas you want them to focus on and give them permission to eliminate or delegate unimportant tasks. Make sure that all meetings have a clearly defined purpose and reserve plenty of downtime in shared calendars for getting actual work done. So a couple of interesting little tips there, isn't there? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Next week, we're going to talk about the accidental manager with the CEO of the Institute of Management and Leadership, David Pitch. And we'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and some other business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Till then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Steve Jobs once said, if you keep your eye on the profit, you're going to skimp on the product. But if you focus on making really great products, then the profits will follow. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.